the one incredible good that is coming out of this battle, this fight for life, is the tearing down of walls between churches, between denominations. We see people come and stand and pray, and there is no distinction, there is no division made from one believer to another. All are welcome. So we know that God uses all things to his goodwill and purpose. Well, welcome, Phil, and welcome, everybody, to our next podcast episode for the Springfield Right to Life. My name is Dennis Russell, and I'm here with Phil Harris, uh, Philip Harris, with one L. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) It's good enough for the Bible. It's good Good enough enough for you. Cool. Well, Phil, um, before we get into the podcast here and a little bit of your history in the pro-life movement, I want you to give me a one or two sentence answer to who you are, not who you've been or who you will be, but just who you are right now as a person. Just what comes to mind? Uh, Son of James and Hilda May Harris. I say it because having godly parents live out that life as an example for us gives us a path to follow that many don't have. Hmm. And secondarily, I guess a person that has helped others all my life. Nice. Yeah. I like that answer because I have a a similar response to that. I, I say that I'm the son of my father because that is something that's very important to me. It's not just, a biological fact it's very much so a spiritual fact that agreed i've had a father which not a lot of people can say in the world in which we live today fewer and fewer Mm -hmm. sadly yeah but when we have that example it makes it a lot easier to live life and to have something higher to shoot for for sure both in this world and spiritually as well yeah Nice. Well, with that in mind, I've seen you out on the sidewalk. Uh, You always have your American flag planted uh, right next to, and when I say the sidewalk, I mean in front of Planned Parenthood where we pray on Thursday mornings uh, for an end to abortion. And you've got your American flag planted there and you're playing your your music, either uh, patriotic music or Christian hymns and whatnot. When did you start being out there and what is your first experience in the pro-life movement? It's been a number of years. I lose track of how many years after I retired as a firefighter, I had the worst year of my life, which was due to medical issues. And in that worst year of my life, it was also a uh, complete change in my spirituality. All of my life, I'd actually been neutral in the, in the pro-life movement and or as a firefighter, seeing the abuse and the horrible treatment that sometimes parents bring upon their children, I even wondered, maybe it's better that a child be aborted than to be brought into mm-hmm. a world where they're abused or sometimes murdered. Mm-hmm. But after the worst year of my life, the way I put it, God allowed me to come to an end of myself and understand that he's in charge and I'm not. And in fact, I never was. Yeah. I always thought I was. So in that, 
new awakening spiritually, then I saw life in a whole new perspective. And the fact that God's in charge takes away any choice. Mm-hmm. It's only his life is only his choice. It can never be our choice. We're so presumptuous to think that we might have that decision. Sure. So anyone that makes that choice against God's will is is doing so at their own peril, physically, spiritually, mentally, mm-hmm. every aspect. In God's perfect plan, somehow I came into contact with Lifetime Pregnancy Help Center, now First Step Women's Center, and Debbie and Tim Schultz. And they were, much like my parents were great models, Deb and Timmy Schultz were great examples of the struggle. Her story that she shares freely and openly is that she and Tim got pregnant in college, risked losing everything if they had the baby, had an abortion, Hmm. thought they'd put it behind them, and then found out that it's never behind you. Yeah, that's what I hear from a lot of people is that it doesn't go away. You know, you were a parent no matter no matter whether or not you carried that baby to term. You were a parent, and if you don't have that child with you, then there's something missing. Um, in my own family, we've had a couple miscarriages, and you you really feel that, like especially when the the baby would have otherwise been born and for that that first year or so you know you you kind of feel like there's someone missing that was something that we would commonly say like is everybody here you know we'd have the whole family together at dinner we're like oh i feel like somebody's missing and then we'd be like oh yeah that was the baby we were supposed to have so but i can't imagine how much more compounded that would be if you're trying to to ignore that feeling and trying to um, justify yourself for what you've done. And with Debbie Schultz, she shares that, indeed what you just shared, that that person is always missing. Mm -hmm. And for them, having chosen the path of abortion, then God convicted them so deeply and so completely that now we know their story, which is Lifetime Pregnancy Help Center, First Step Women's Center, and now Debbie moving on to healing recovery programs for mm-hmm. uh, women who have had abortions. So I was able to see how that looks from that perspective. And Debbie's underlying strength is that she bases and first step faces everything in prayer, mm. everything constantly so this seemed to be the perfect fit if i really care if i am who i say i am then being a person of god but also a person of action i have to do something Mm -hmm. and if i hadn't come to that understanding of god's in charge and we're not i don't know what i would have to do But I know that the greatest thing that I can do is pray. Mm -hmm. Pray consistently, pray always, pray never ceasing. 
So indeed I come and I struggled a bit and as I came in for a period of time in what that looks like to come to, and I'm going to correct you, it's not Planned Parenthood. We allow them to title themselves. It's actually unplanned mm. parenthood. Mm -hmm. And we need to capture that because there is no planning in abortion. Mm -hmm. That's the exact opposite of planning. But as I came, I struggled with, do I hold a sign? Do I not hold a sign? Do I pray quietly? Do I pray silently? Do I pray out loud? What's that look like? And the beauty is here at Unplanned Parenthood, immediately adjacent to Springfield Right to Life, is individuals come and they pray and they worship and they do what they feel compelled to do in their own way. Yeah. And universally, that's been well done here. It's been polite. It's been loving. It's been respectful. So I settled on my father being a World War II veteran, my son being an Iraq veteran. The U.S. flag represents so many things. Almost more importantly in this case is the flag that I fly below that, which is in God we trust. Mm -hmm. And that's the national motto of the United States of America, but it's also what supports the American flag above it. If we yeah. don't have God, we won't have America. And we can see that in our society today. We can see the, the decomposition mm -hmm. of America. Yeah, it, it's amazing. We hear the phrase separation of church and state so often now. And it's used to mean keep the church out of the state. But in reality, the first use of that phrase in our documentation is by Thomas Jefferson, using it in a context where he's saying that the church must inform the state on the right and moral actions that it should take, and that the state should be separate from the church. And that was, that was the phrase that we heard was the state should be separate from the church so as that the state doesn't pressure the church into making political decisions and um, moving away from just informing the state on what it should do. So really, all the founders had this comprehensive idea of the church and state working together because the state is subservient to the church. It, it must understand what the church teaches and and that's the in God we trust. If we don't trust in God, like you said, there's no support for our country. There's no reason to fly that flag. That is well put and oft people are either ill-informed or have no knowledge of what you just spoke about, that our history is a complete and total connection with church and state. And in our pride and our failure to acknowledge God's sovereignty, then men have imposed their importance over God's, thereby removing the church from the state and then forcing that same belief structure out 
into the rest of the world as best they can and as rapidly as they can and as often as mm-hmm. they can. So then we arrive here at this point of our lives where human life's being taken. Yeah. And I shake my head. I, I can hardly comprehend how we arrived at this point. Imagine, if you will, people's reaction if you were to publicly harm a dog or mm. a cat or something, if you were to dismember it, if you were to kill it, mm-hmm. there would be a hue and an outcry. But yeah, to these unborn children, as long as it's done in a dark place and a secret place and a place away from view, no one wants to talk about it. Somehow, they don't exist. Yeah. And part of my history, part of why I'm on the sidewalk is I've treated children and babies that have been brutalized and indeed murdered. And to see what that looks like and value life and then to see it treated so casually as if it doesn't exist as if it's not real mm-hmm. it's just beyond comprehension yeah yes that is it's an unthinkable crime but yet it's something that has become commonplace especially in illinois here socially acceptable indeed Mm-hmm. People now, the governor and people around him, when he signed the recent law into effect, celebrated. They celebrated cruel, inhumane, torturous murder. Mm-hmm. We have looked down our noses at Nazis in Germany mm-hmm. before World War II, others, genocides across the globe. How dare we think that? We are above and beyond that, that we're more decent and more civilized. Mm -hmm. So that brings me back to the sidewalk. There is a value in being close to the scene of the crime. There's a value in suffering for Christ. When was the last time that we, that I, put myself in a position where I voluntarily suffer for Christ? Mm. You want to suffer for Christ? Come stand on the sidewalk in a few days when it's 90, 95. Mm-hmm. And stay for a while. Don't don't come and go. Stay. Pray. Come when it's zero outside. Stay. Be cold. That small amount of discomfort pales in comparison to Christ's suffering. Mm-hmm. Where are we, church? You have seen and I have seen, albeit a few more people starting to come, that we are few in number that consistently come and stand and pray. Yeah, I think in general there's a fear that's pervaded our culture and the Christian community and church has not been free from that pervasion. It's seeped into our churches. It's seeped into our families everywhere. And I think that's why we don't see 
people by and large taking a stand against abortion is because they're afraid of what people will say about them and they're afraid of, uh, but I think it's more than, well, I, I should say less. It's less than a fear of what people will think about them. I think it's, it's just a fear and it's an irrational fear of nothing. They don't have the courage to do something because it's so much easier to just continue your life as you're living it now. If you wake up at seven and go to bed at nine, you just keep doing that unless you change your schedule. If you don't come and pray before Planned Parenthood, then you just keep doing that and you don't change your schedule and you have to make a conscious act of the will to come and do that. And like you said, there are more people coming out to do it now. There's different reasons why I think that's the case. I think the the new laws in Illinois are propelling people to come out and show their support for life, try and overturn these laws. So there's things prompting them, but still there's there's a fear that people have of change and they don't want to make a commitment to come out and help. So two points on that. Our greatest growth, my greatest growth in life has been when I'm uncomfortable and when I go through adversity. Mm -hmm. So if that's true, and most of us can examine our past and find that is true, then while what you said is absolutely true, comfortableness becomes our enemy. It actually is our enemy when we're mm -hmm. too comfortable, especially in America, especially in wealth and a land of plenty, then we should actually seek out moments where we are uncomfortable, especially mm -hmm. spiritually. And if that isn't happening, then you are who I was for 54 and a half years, which was lukewarm. And we know what the Bible speaks to lukewarm. Jesus says, I will spit you out of my mouth. Yes. And that, imagine that. Christ saying that me, for 54 and a half years, I was a good person. I was doing wonderful things in life. I was a reasonably good father and husband and provider and firefighter and all of those things. But in all of that, the underlying word is I. Hmm. And I wasn't any of that. I was lukewarm is what I was. Hmm. And until I came through the worst year of my life and rediscovered God in my life and the proper way to, to follow God, I was comfortable. Mm -hmm. And now I deliberately put myself in a position of uncomfortableness, mm -hmm. of potential adversity. And indeed, before people come and pray here on the front lines of a, indeed a battle, they need to be praying at home. They need to be prayed up at home. They need to be ready to walk into a battle, into mm -hmm. potential confrontation. Some people do come in opposition, verbally, occasionally threatening, most often just rude comments or mm -hmm. gestures. But if you want to grow, if people want to suffer for Christ and grow spiritually, 
I find very few places today that will accelerate that more than the pro-life movement. Yes. <laughs> stand for something. If we don't stand for life in our churches, from our pulpits, in our daily life, if we don't stand for life, that single issue, for what do we stand? Mm-hmm. There is no greater calling. God created. He created. Well, what did he create? In the heart of his creation is us, mm-hmm. life. So his greatest creation is us. Mm-hmm. And yet we nationwide and now in Illinois encourage disposal of that greatest creation as if it were absolutely nothing. Yeah, We can pay God no greater disrespect than to continue down the path that we're going. For sure. What you said earlier, that your greatest moments of change in life have been through discomfort and adversity, that reminded me of a a funny little story uh, that happened a week ago. A family friend of mine, she received a couple tadpoles from someone, and she's, I think she's nine now, and she loved to pick up or to grab these tadpoles out of the water and to look at them and and pet them. And I'm sure the tadpoles were uh, slightly uncomfortable and and fearful of this. So (laughs) I think they were only in the water in her care a day before they started sprouting legs and arms. (laughs) Because (laughs) when they are (laughs) under pressure, then they know that they need... Yep, time to move. (laughs) In Illinois... You brought this up and touched on it briefly. Many Illinoisans now and in other progressive abortion-minded states now are appalled at the late date that's allowed legally for Mm -hmm. abortions, which then borders on and now may in fact be infanticide. My fear is that what that law is doing is normalizing regular abortion, Hmm. normalizing existing abortions that have been in place. Why are so many people suddenly upset with late-term abortions or infanticide? It's the same. Mm -hmm. It's the same life that's being taken. It's the same murder that's being committed. And yet suddenly people are upset, vocal, and appalled. I applaud their being upset, vocal, and taking action, but I'm really puzzled why it took that jolt, why it took that coming of new awareness. Yeah. It's the same life from the moment of conception until death. I think part of it has to do with the lie that's been spread that in the first trimester, it's not a child yet. And... Deep down, I think everybody knows that's a lie. No one truly believes it, but it's repeated and they hear it so often that they can believe it to a certain degree. But as the child becomes more developed and further along in the pregnancy, and they've started to see babies that have been born at this stage in the pregnancy, so like if there's a 30-week baby... Well, there's, there's babies that are born at 30 weeks. Um, it's not that uncommon. 
And people know this. They've seen pictures of babies born at 30 weeks. And so they can't in their mind think that the baby in the womb isn't a baby at that stage. And so I think that's part of why there's this appall at late-term abortion versus no reaction or little reaction at early-term abortion. It's because they've bought into the rhetoric and the lie that it's not a baby, that it's just a cluster of cells in the first trimester. Working at the Right to Life, I've been catching up on my pro-life reading. It's almost depressing familiarizing yourself with the arguments on the other side of the issue, the pro-abortion arguments, because you're reading them and you, you know that they're wrong and you know why they're wrong, but they're just such, it, it makes you sad that you know that people believe these things. And therein, we have to understand the force against us. And that force simply is Satan. Mm-hmm. Anyone that denies that is deceiving themselves. Yes. We watch so many young women walk in next door escorted in, welcomed in, were it not for Satan, there is no young lady who could walk through those doors. And as you just pointed out, there is no one that would not inherently in their gut and their heart and their soul know that that's a child. They're carrying a child. That's what pregnancy is. Mm -hmm. They were becoming a mother. They are a mother at that point. They already are. Mm-hmm. of an unborn child, were it not for Satan, they couldn't do what they're doing. So yeah. therein, when people come to pray and you step onto the front lines of the battle, understand that you're stepping into the same place that Jesus stood and many saints before and after, which is you're putting yourself in the path of Satan. Mm-hmm. And... To not be prepared for that, if you don't understand that, Satan will help you understand it. Mm-hmm. You will see what happens, what comes against you, either spiritually or emotionally or physically. Do not be deceived by the great deceiver. Mm-hmm. And I fear that in our churches, maybe that's that fear that you spoke about. It's kind of an uneasy fear. And I can tell you that I've experienced that for all of my life experiences and all the courage that I think I have, I've experienced that same fear even here Mm -hmm. when I park my vehicle and get ready to step out. I understand what I'm stepping out into. This is not a parking lot and walking down a sidewalk to an unknown place that's just another place in life. That is what it is not. Yeah. This is the battle. This is the battle of our day, the battle of our time, the battle of my life, which is, will we stand or will we fall? Will we stand or will we wither? Will we stand for Christ or not stand at all? Yeah. And sadly, for most of my life, I was comfortable. I didn't need to stand. The world was helping me stand. Mm -hmm. The accolades came. The money came. The world provides comfort. But we were not made for comfort. We were made for greatness. And in greatness oftentimes comes suffering. Yeah. 
you see the heroes of battle and how many of them died in battle, number one, and number two, how many of them suffered horribly and suffer scars and wounds from the battle. Mm -hmm. Those are our mothers that are having the abortions. Those are thus the body of Christ who remains silent. In remaining silent, we're actually allowing ourselves to be harmed. Mm -hmm. We're allowing Satan a stronger foothold in our life and the life of the church, the life of this world. Yeah, you, you can liken it to a bully. If you don't stand up to them, then they just walk over you and you become weaker because of it. Yeah. And next time you're less likely to stand up for yourself. The one incredible good that is coming out of this battle, this struggle, this fight for life, is the tearing down of walls between churches, between denominations. We see people come and stand and pray, and there is no distinction. There is mm -hmm. no division made from one believer to another. All are welcome. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anyone in any way separated, ostracized, divided, shunned. I've never seen anyone that is noted to be this or that. Mm -hmm. Life is, and God in this life, in this battle, is a unifying feature. Yeah. So we know that God uses all things to his goodwill and purpose. This one's a biggie. How can this be used for good? Yeah. How can this be anything but the evil that we see? But because America has become so silent in our Christianity, by and large, so reserved, certainly in this fight, this battle, God is using it to bring people together. For sure. Yeah, I like that because even people out on the, the sidewalk who may in a, another situation disapprove of the praying style of, of one individual, out there, there's no disapproval. They're all just overjoyed that someone else is there to pray for these children and these women and the fathers that are aborting their children. So in that, my challenge is to any and all find one hour, one day, and come and pray. And your life will indeed change. Yeah. In a big, big way. Make yourself uncomfortable and grow some arms and legs. <laughs> And a backbone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, Phil, it was a pleasure talking with you, and uh, thanks for, for coming out today. Well, I appreciate what you're doing. The work that you're doing here at Springfield Right to Life is awesome. We often overlook modern-day miracles. I dare someone to figure mathematically the odds that Springfield right to life would acquire property <laughs> and be situated with no property between it mm -hmm. and unplanned parenthood. If we want to see God perform a miracle, challenge him, step back, watch, wait, pray, and know that he is in it. And this is living proof. I forget the address here, but I know the address next door is 601 North Bruns Lane. Yeah, Springfield, I, I, right? The life is immediately south. I don't remember what the address is either. <laughs> <laughs>
but God was in that. There mm-hmm. is no way that that could have happened without God being alive and and in that. So we sit here today with the home base with which people can come and begin their prayer time here and move in front of Unplanned Parenthood and then come back here for rest or refreshment. And uh, it's, a, it's an awesome undertaking. Well, there you go. Cool. Well, take care, Phil. And uh, again, thanks for coming out. Very good. I'll be with you. Thank you. You too.